Welcome to today's reading for December the 16th. We'll be reading Micah chapter 5 to 7. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for this reading. We ask your, your presence. We invite you, Lord, to come into our hearts and our minds, Lord, and that we, you may talk to us through your word, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it carries us. Thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful book of the book of Micah. And thank you for speaking to us through your prophets, Lord. We rejoice and we give you praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' mighty name, in the name of your Son, Lord. Thank you. Welcome to today's reading again, 365 Daily Devotionals by New Living Testament Writers. It's an amazing book. It's a New Year Study Bible. Please Get yourself one. Now, let's go ahead and um, read a little bit of Micah. The commentary says, What can we do to please God? Micah 6, 8. A a well-known and often memorized verse answers a series of questions put forth by a confused people who had lost their moral and spiritual bearings lost their spiritual bearings. And that scripture says, 6, 8. Okay, let me bring that up to you. It says, What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offering should we give Him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and tens of thousands of rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Sounds a little sarcastic, don't you think? No, verse 8. O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Fear the Lord if you're wise, verse 9. His voice calls to everyone in Jerusalem. Amen. The people of Israel wanted to know what they could do to be acceptable to the Lord. In an oppressive and deceitful society, they had lost a sense of what the Lord regards as good. God gave them a concrete answer. He is not seeking mechanical, ritualistic worship. He wants his people to do what is right in relationship with him and in their relationship with each other. As they are motivated by love, their actions will be tempered by justice, mercy, and humility. God's people are not to oppress others, but to do what is just and righteous and honest towards one another, Micah seven eighteen through twenty. In Micah, back in Micah six eight, summarizes what God had already made known in the past to Israel: humility, faith, and obedience, humbleness, faithful, and obey are pleasing to Him. God declares His message to Abraham, to Moses at Sinai, through His prophets and through Israel's wise men. Look up Genesis 15, verse 6, Genesis 17, verses 1 and 9, Exodus 20, verse 23, Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 8, 
1 through 8. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, and Hosea 6, 6. It pleases God when his people walk humbly in faith before him, as exemplified by Moses, Habakkuk, Daniel, and Israel. Real spirituality and, and devotions are manifested in doing good, seeking justice, relieving oppression, defending orphans, and aiding widows. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and read the whole chapter now. Micah 5, 6, and 7 chapters. Here we go. Mobilizing, marshal your troops. Mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. They will strike Israel's leader in the face with a rod. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Again, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be a source of peace. That's got to be our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this? And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. When the Assyrians invaded our land and break through our defenses, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us. They will rule Assyria with drawn swords, and enter the gates of the land of Nimrod. He will rescue us from the Assyrians when they pour over the borders of invade our land. Then the remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like the dew sent by the Lord, or like the rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back, no one can restrain. The remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like a lion among the animals of the forest, like a strong young lion among flocks, sheep, and goats, pouncing and tearing as they go, with no rescuer in sight. The people of Israel will stand up to their foes, and all their enemies will be wiped out. In that day, says the Lord, I will slaughter your horses and destroy your chariots. I will tear down your walls and demolish your defenses. I will put an end to all witchcraft, and there will be no more fortune tellers. I will destroy all your idols and sacred pillars, so you will never again worship the work of your own hands. I will abolish your idol shrines with their Asherah poles and destroy your pagan cities. I will pour out my vengeance on all the nations that refuse to obey me. Listen to what the Lord is saying. 
Stand up and state your case against me. Let the mountains and the hills be called to witness your complaints. And now, O mountains, listen to the Lord's complaint. He has a case against his people. He will bring charge against Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me. For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses and Aaron and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed, and how Balaam's son of Beor blessed you instead? And remember your journey from Acacia Grove of Gilgag, when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. What can bring to the to the Lord? What can we we bring to the Lord? What kind of offering should we give him? Should we bow before him with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Verse 8. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Fear the Lord if you are wise. His voice calls to everyone in Jerusalem, The armies of destruction are coming. The Lord is sending them. What shall I say about the homes of the wicked, filled with treasure gained by cheating? What about the disgusting practices of measuring out grain with dishonest measures? How can I tolerate you merchants who use dishonest scales and ways? The rich among you have become wealthy through extortion and violence. Your citizens are used to lying that their tongues can no longer tell the truth. Therefore, I will wound you. I will bring you to ruin for all your sins. You will eat but never have enough. Your hunger, pangs, and emptiness will remain. And though you try to save your money, it will come to nothing in the end. You will save a little, but I will give it to those who conquer you. You will plant crops but not harvest them. You will press your olives but not get enough oil to anoint yourself. You will trample the grapes, but get no juice to make your wine. You keep only the laws of evil King Omer. You follow only the example of wicked King Ahab. Therefore, I will make an example of you, bring you to complete ruin. You will be treated with contempt, mocked by all who see you. How miserable I am. I feel like the fruit picker after the harvest who can find nothing to eat. Not a cluster of grapes or a single early fig can be found to satisfy my hunger. The godly people have all disappeared. Not one honest person is left on the earth. They are all murderers, setting traps even for their own brothers. Both their hands are equally skilled at doing evil. Officials and judges alike demand bribes. The people with influence get 
what they want, and together they scheme to twist justice. Even the best of them is like a briar. The most honest is a dangerous as a hedge of thorns. But your judgment day is coming swiftly now. Your time of punishment is here, a time of confusion. Don't trust anyone, not your best friend or even your wife, for the sons despise his father, the daughter despise her mother, the daughter-in-law defies her mother-in-law. Your enemies are right in your own household. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemies. For though, though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will be patient as the Lord punished me, for I have sinned against him. But after that, he will take up my case and give me justice for all I have suffered from my enemies. The Lord will bring me into the light, and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemies will see that the Lord is on my side. They will be ashamed that they taunt me, saying, So where is the Lord? the God of yours. With my own eyes, I will see their downfall. They will be trampled like mud in the streets. And that day, Israel, your cities will be rebuilt and your borders will be extended. People from many lands will come and honor you. From Assyria all the way to the towns of Egypt, from Egypt all the way to the Euphrates River, and from distant seas and mountains, but the land will become empty and desolated because of the wickedness of those who live there. O oh Lord, protect your people with your shepherd's staff. Lead your flock, your special possession. Though they live alone in a thicket on the heights of Mount Carmel, let them grace in the fertile pastures of Bashan and Gilead, as they did long ago. Yes, says the Lord, I will do mighty miracles for you, like those I did when I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. All the nations of the world will stand amazed at what the Lord will do for you. They will be embarrassed at their feeble power. They will cover their mouth in silent awe, deaf to everything around them, like snakes crawling from their holes. They will come out to meet the Lord our God. They will fear him greatly, trembling in terror at his presence. Where is, where is there another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your unfailing, your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. Let me read those verses again. It's a beautiful piece of God's word and literature. It says, starting with verse 18 to verse 20, it says, Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? 
You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to your ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. Wow. Micah's pictured God as both judge and attorney. He judges people and punishes them for their sins. Then he steps down from his judgment seat and takes up the case for each person to right the wrongs against them. This picture offers us great hope. We know that the world is full of sinners and victims. We each recognize that we have sinned against God, but we also know that we have also suffered from the sins of others. Micah's picture shows us a God who does not simply punish us for our sins. He also addresses the suffering we face that we didn't deserve. We see a God of justice, not just against us, but for us, beautiful, we see a God of justice, not just against us, but for us. We can rejoice and thank God for this. His justice doesn't simply spell doom for us sinners. His justice includes making things right for us as well. This is the kind of God he is. We have great reasons to worship him. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. That was uh, Micah 7 and 9, which states, I will be patient as the Lord punishes me, for I have sinned against him. But after that, he will take up my case and give me justice for all I have suffered from my enemies. Whoa. The Lord will bring me into the light, and I will see his righteousness. The enemy will see that the Lord is on my side. Verse 10, they will be ashamed that they taunted me, saying, So where is the Lord, that God of yours? With my own eyes, I will see their downfall. They will be trampled like mud in the streets. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. There's a little more on that commentary. Let's take a look on the uh, Recovery Bible. Incredible stories of unfaith. Unf um, how does it pronounce it? Faithfulness and unfailing love, I guess. Unfailing love. Something that goes way over my head. Amen. Again, when people live for personal gain and turn away from God, the results are always disastrous. Following God's program leads to a society of peace and prosperity. Following personal gratification leads to a world where business becomes unproductive and competition becomes cruel. The leaders of the government become corrupt and no one can be trusted. Even members of one's own family 
Instead of following our selfish inclinations, we must choose to obey God's will for our lives. It will lead to peace. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go ahead and read some more commentaries on this Bible. Amen. You know, remember, God promises to destroy all the useless things his people had depended on for security. They relied on weapons and walled cities for protection from their enemies. They sought spiritual guidance in the occult, astrology, and idol worship. God sounds like today, huh? Credit cards and TV and sports. God's people would discover that their so-called strengths were only illusions. These things could never truly help them. We do the same thing when we turn to our dependencies. Drugs, alcohol, sex, overwork to help us deal with our pain. Sometimes we turn to other spiritual remedies for our addictions, which only lead us away from the one true source of help, God, his unfailing love and faith, unfailing faithfulness. These useless resources fall fail when we really need them. Only God can bring us deliverance and true healing. Again, the people of Israel had become smug and self-sufficient, forgetting that they were helpless without God's power. When we begin to succeed in recovery, it is easy to forget that God delivered us. We tend to take some of the credit and place less importance in our relationship with God. When we fail to recognize God's help in our earlier successes, we can almost count on painful relapses. God is the only one who can deliver us from bondage and sustain us in recovery. When we consider who God is and who we are, we realize that there's nothing we can truly give to Him. Neither our possessions nor are our most prized treasure that will impress Him or win His favor. God, in the final sense, does not desire our religious acts of worship unless they are accompanied by a life that pleases Him. He desires that we treat others responsible, responsibly that we demonstrate mercy towards others and mercy towards ourselves and treat ourselves responsibly, and that we fully rely on Him with a banjo. These are important features of any godly recovery program, a restoration program. Amen and amen to that, folks. I was, uh, we're almost done with the book of Micah. Some more reflections on the book of Micah. The prophet is making it clear in Micah 6, verses 10 through 16, that God despises those who treat others unfairly or who cheat others for personal gain. God will bring sickness to the souls of such people and they will experience emptiness that cannot be satisfied by the things of this world. Ultimately, they will not enjoy the rewards of their labor. Instead, they will suffer destruction, derision, and reproach. As we humbly accept our defects of character, we will become less prone to victimize fellow strugglers. Learning such humility is an important part of the recovery process. 
Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's reading. Thank you for the book of Micah and these chapters that we read today. Amen. Let's go ahead and move on to now to the book of Revelation for chapter 7. Amen. Now, in the book of Revelation, a little background is the number 144,000 symbolizes completeness. All God's followers will be brought safely to Him. Not one will be overlooked or forgotten. Even though many believers have to undergo persecution, the seal does not necessarily guarantee protection from physical harm. Many will die, see Revelation 6.11, but God will protect them from spiritual harm. The Great Tribulation has been explained in several ways. Some believe it refers to the suffering of believers through the ages. Others believe that th there is a specific time of intense tribulation yet to come. In either case, these believers come through their times of suffering by remaining loyal to God. Believers come through their times of suffering by re remaining loyal to God. While we tend to focus on these sealed believers, their focus is not on themselves but on God. Though they shout praise to Christ the Lamb, they fall down and worship God even after their death. They serve Him day and night in His temple. Their whole priority is God, not themselves. Revelation 7.15 To be among them, our focus and priority must be the same. We should not worry and wonder whether we are sealed. Instead, we should make God the center of our lives, serving Him and worship Him. Amen. All right, the book of Revelation. Interesting, I ran across uh, the scriptures where it said God hates addictions. You know, we could be addicted to um, TikTok and not putting God first. We could be addicted to anger, resentment. I can be addicted to alcohol. You know, I used to tell my friends, now this is the honest truth. When I was a young man, about 21, I had two children, worked in a warehouse, had a, a wife, and at 6 o'clock Friday afternoon, music will, will pop in my head and my right hand will start being raising up to my mouth like it had a beer in his hand. And I was pre-programmed to buy beer at 6 o'clock and start drinking it. That's how bad my addictions were. My habitual habit was inside my subconscious mind. and So being controlled by alcohol is foolish in Proverbs 20, verse 1, or any other situation. Becoming drunk is sin, Romans 13, 13, 14. God hates drunkenness, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 21. And church leaders or anyone in leadership should not be con controlled by alcohol. Alcohol is a spirit. It can control us. 
All right, that's just a little side note. And uh, sometimes the willingness not to change is a controlling factor too. You know, God wants us to grow like trees, continue to grow, thrive, be curious, you know, um, and write down and hold on to what works. You know, what is, it's amazing, even learning can be an addiction when we don't have any wisdom to add to our learning. I'm talking to myself, folks. A lot of people in there I respect and love. And just an incredible amount of wise, wonderful people that have don't have to read something over and over again to go in and to change them. And I see that. I see that in people around me. I, I My hat is off to them. I am jealous for that part. Some people can read and it catches really easy and throughout their lifetime. Others, like me, I gotta be reading it over and over again. <laughs> well, that's all right too, huh? All right, Revelation, I've got a couple of commentaries and then we'll read the whole chapter. It says As difficult as things will be during the period of the seals, God will protect those who belong to him. They will be sealed with God's signs of ownership and protection. Perhaps this seal is similar to the seal of the Holy Spirit, now present in the lives of all who believe in Jesus Christ. Now you can look that up in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 to 14, and chapter 4, verse 30. This seal signifies an eternal relationship with God. We can begin our eternal relationship with God right now if we accept God's loving forgiveness through Jesus Christ and submit our lives to his will. A vast multitude from all races and nations is the harvest Christ envisioned from his great commission. They are truly thankful and worshipful toward God in Matthew 18. Excuse me, twenty-eight, nineteen. Greatly appreciating the salvation and recovery that God has promised, we rejoice and worship and are truly thankful to God. The white robes they people they wear here in Revelation seven speak not only of the purity of their lifestyle but also of their redemption through the blood of Christ. By entering recovery, restoration, admitting our sins and failures, accepting God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and obeying God, we can join this joyful throng of people who have been saved by God's wonderful grace. This majestic passage describes the heavenly relationship between Christ and his people in chapter 7 of Revelation. They will serve him constantly and he will always protect them. All their other needs will be met by Christ, the Lamb, who is also the shepherd. In such a close and secure relationship, all the tears of painful oppression, loss, and misunderstanding will be wiped away. What wonderful hope these verses offer. By trusting in Jesus Christ, we can hope for a future filled with joy and peace. Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful reading, huh? 
Okay, let's go ahead and read the, the chapter 7 now. God's people will be preserved. Huh. Even the word preserve, there is service in it. In other words, we're going to be reserved. We're going to serve somewhere, but we're going to be preserved. <laughs> um, uh, just a side note. Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea, or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and sea, Wait! Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. From Judah, 12,000. From Reuben, 12,000. From Gad, 12,000. From Asher, 12,000. From Naphtali, 12,000. From Manasseh. 12,000 from Simeon, 12,000 from Levi, 12,000 from Ishakar, 12,000 from Zebulun, 12,000 from Joseph, 12,000 from Benjamin, 12,000. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne, and from the Lamb. Again, all of us in unison, please. Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne, and from the Lamb. Again. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Beautiful. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the 24 elders asked me, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Amen. Beautiful, wonderful reading. Wow. It seems like we're going to eat and drink, 
in heaven will never be hungry or thirsty or scorched by the heat of the sun. For the ones who were martyred, anyone who dies in the great tribulation, they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. Truly our God is just. Truly our God is sanctified and he sanctifies us in the right way. Amen. Glory be to God in the highest. And now let's pray in Psalms. We meditate on the great things God has done that are recorded in this psalm and the great things that he has done in our lives and the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the great things that you are, you have restored in your word, in this, and in especially Psalms 135. And we thank you for the great things you've done in Egypt, great things that you have you do in today's life, restoring and making life possible. Lord, you make it easy for people to receive Jesus Christ in the Lord. They just imagine the cross and say and accept him and say yes, yes into their lives. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Lord God, for what you've done in my life and the lives of us, many of us, Lord. Millions of us, billions of us. Thank you for your salvation in the world. Amen. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you who serve the Lord. You who serve in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Celebrate his lovely name with music. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his own special treasure. I know the greatness of the Lord, that our Lord is great than any other God. I know the greatness of the Lord, that our Lord is greater than any other God. The Lord does whatever pleases him throughout all heaven and earth and on the seas and in their depths. He causes the clouds to rise over the whole earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. He destroys the firstborn in each Egyptian home, both people and animals. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his people. He struck down great nations and slaughtered mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. He gave their land as an inheritance, a special possession to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, is known to every generation. For the Lord will give justice to his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are merely things of silver and gold, shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, and noses but cannot smell. And those who make idols are just like them, as all are all who trust in them. 
O Israel, praise the Lord. O priest, descendants of Aaron, praise the Lord. O Levites, praise the Lord. All you who fear the Lord, praise the Lord. The Lord be praised from Zion, for he lives here in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Reading Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, 5 through 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words, or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.